And the motion picture is the most important art film ever devised by the human race. It is the, the art form that creates more empathy than any other. It creates our ability to step out of our own shoes. Hello and welcome to the Great Movies Podcast, a retrospective film review show where we watch and discuss the movies covered in Roger Ebert's seminal film essay collections, The Great Movies. I'm Dylan Coyar. I'm Jana Gardner. And I'm Nick Fulton. That was our best intro. In I was going to say, I finally, I knew it was my turn and everything. Is, <laughs> is the full name of the show The Great Movies Podcast and I've been uh, like inappropriately shortening oh, I, it? I, Ma- I making it a care. little, uh, am I being too cash with? Look, it's, it's like the it's Dr. Officially... Dog thing from Ted Lasso season two. I, th- I think it's officially just pod if you look it up, but yeah, you know. sure. I, I'm unnecessarily extending and form- formalizing it, so yeah, we're also unmuted. not um, particular about the name of our own show, so no, no, not really. Well, we're um, going silent today. We got to be a little classy, a little more erudite. <laughs> <laughs> the austerity in this podcast is going to be high. Right, no I, greed I, here. I'm sure we're all going to be complete professionals talking about. The 2019 Michael Winterbottom film Greed with Steve Coogan. I will say, that movie has just destroyed this movie's SEO. Oh, like, no. If you Google Greed, you Google Greed movie, you have to like put in Greed movie 1924 to have any chance of actually tracking down information about poor Eric von Stroheim's film here. Yep. Dude, dude cannot catch a break between, uh, who is it, Thalberg? Or, or... Yeah, fuck it, Thalberg. Thalberg and Mayer both sort of like screwed him over separately. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, f- I finally had a good enough movie to like do a do a joke. <laughs> Where does the actual show. same title? Yeah, that that helps quite a bit. Yeah, I think I think Griffin Newman might be in that movie. In really? Creed, the I think so. <laughs> I can't. Okay, I'm going back to the Creed. Sorry, page. not to talk how, about the. How do you Creed think Stroyham feels that that a Michael Winterbottom film is, took his name and? Ran with that SEO out of here. Rolling I, rolling over in his grave. I was going to say, I think he's got bigger problems right now. <laughs> <laughs> There's no Griffin Newman on the LB page. Okay, so maybe not. He was in some movie with Steve Coogan, but maybe it was not that one. What? So. Sorry, this is a really we must just fantastic. Know, we must find out. <laughs> I Griffin. Oh, okay. No, okay. This is not the movie I was thinking of. That was the movie I was thinking of. This is fantastic podcasting about a 1924 <laughs> silent film. I will tell you, though, the movie I hot was air. thinking of. Yes, Hot Air. Thank you. Yeah. I knew it's some movie where Steve Coogan played a jerk. Um, it, it's where he follows, instead of being a like, greedy fashion mogul, he's a conservative talk radio host. Gotcha. I feel like gotcha. Steve, Steve Coogan can only play jerks like of varying degree. I, I feel like there's movies I've seen him in where he plays a good guy maybe hamlet too he's more just like purely good i can't really remember philomena he's a good guy and he starts off as a jerk yeah isn't he like jerkish though he's jerkish but he, he goes on a journey i guess that's usually the case he's surprisingly one of the nicer people in in the loop sure if i remember correctly that's a good he's movie. not like it's a great movie. Wait, didn't Philomena uh, make you cry? Have we talked about this? We've yes, Philomena. Philomena made me like weep in the theater, surrounded by other people weeping in the theater. It's a very like cheesy, but you know, emotional movie. I remind me. Oh, I was just gonna say. I, I remember thinking it was like pretty good, and uh, I don't remember anything about it. Is 
I think we talked about this. Her lost son and her lost yeah, Judy. Spoiler alert is dead. <sighs> it's sad. Yeah, she doesn't get to reunite with him. I think he died of like AIDS or something. Uh, it's, all, it's all sad. <laughs> is Judy Dench in it? Is she the? It is. Okay. She yeah. is. She's, she's the other. Philomania herself. Yes. Dame Judy um, Dench. Sorry, apologies. Dame Judy Dench. Yeah. Absolutely. Wait, who is Steve Coogan in Hot Fuzz? I don't know. I've only I seen th- Hot Fuzz once. I think he's only got a bit part. I think he's like one of the cops as Simon Pegg's oh. character is like going up the ladder. Uh, according oh, to, yeah, yeah. He's the one before Bill Nye. According to, yeah, according to Wikipedia, it's an uncredited cameo. So. Yeah, I think it's Martin Freeman and then Bill Nye. Or, and then him and then Bill Nye. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. So, Greed. Greed. Do you remember him from the Night of the Museum movies, too? Okay, sorry. <laughs> Greed. <laughs> On the Steve Coogan podcast. I, I was trying to hard left turn it, and even then, Jenna was like, I, I know, sorry. This right back All into right. the Steve Coogan lane. Greed, greed, greed. Greed! Um, man, where do we start? Well, so it is, to be clear, a... <laughs> it's a 1924 film. 24 film by Eric von Stroheim, and not uh, a recent yes. Michael Winterbottom release. It also doesn't star Steve Coogan. It though, does not. I think Steve Coogan would have made a, a, a great Marcus. Yeah, I was just about to say, not oh. as McTeague, but maybe as Marcus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mainly starts, though, stars, though, uh, Gibson Gowland, Zazu Pitts, and uh, Gene Herschelt. Great names all around. Yeah, based more, on. More the, people should name their children Zazu. Zazu, absolutely. More people should have the last name Pitts. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. Um. Oh, Eliza Susan Zazu. So it's a nickname. Her name was Eliza Susan Zazu. That's oh. cute. That's adorable. That is cute. Um, yeah. So, okay, where do we start Great. with this movie? Great. It's, like, it's gonna be the new make. It's based. It's based on it. It's based on a book. It, yeah, um, I was just about to say it was based on McTeague, and then we got off on Zazu. Based, yeah, um, it's based on McTeague. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, this is a movie that Stroheim wanted to make for for many many years, and um, should we should we first talk about the production of this movie, which yeah, and like is, the fallout from yeah, yeah. I think you sort of have to talk about because the movie when you watch it now is not the movie that he made, right? It's it's something no. else altogether. <laughs> and I compared it to watching something like a Ken Burns documentary. Have yeah. you guys watched the 1950s, the Judy uh, Garland Star is Born? No. Yes. So I don't, know if you, I don't know if you remember that, but that movie also went through like some crazy re-editing and then had reels lost in a fire. So that that movie similarly has large chunks where it's like, here's a steady, you know, a still shot. And then at least that one, they have the audio. So you can, that'll be the dialogue yeah. track. But it's almost even more disorienting because it'll be... A still photo <laughs> with like the audio track playing. Um, it it's a little, feels a little bit more natural here because it is, you know, silent. It feels ancient. It feels ancient. It does. <laughs> but there are some very like modern um, camera moves that they sort of throw in, and I was like, whoa, that where, where's that coming from? But um, yeah, two thirds of this movie, at least, we're watching as just still pictures. It's tough. Correct. Yeah, because the original production of this film, he he made a nine, nine and a half hour film, which was I'm, cut to two hours and then restored to four. So it's a weird Frankenstein uh, cobbling together. But it's like a four that contains everything from the nine, but because they just like, yeah, hey, it, still picture. They sort Entire of like, plot lines that are just still <laughs> photographs. <laughs> yeah, they sort of like re- repurposed old uh, 
set photos and the shooting script and mm-hmm. Ken, Ken Burns in what they could. Yeah. So that so that we like you get an idea of what the full nine hour version was without. Um, I mean, it's not it's not cinematic and it's also five hours shorter. Mm-hmm. Right. Not that it's not that it's subjected to. Yeah. No. 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 Not that it's uncinematic. It's, it's not. It's literally not like film or, or like right. video. <laughs> video. It, yeah. It's not a moving picture. It's a moving Correct. moving the camera across a picture essentially. Mm-hmm. Actually, I first want to mention. Um, would you guys consider this one of the great movies? Just up front. Uh, I mean, I know this is like right up Janice Alley. This is like her. Yeah, yeah this, this is what I spend all my free time uh, watching is four hour long <laughs> cobbled together silent films. I mean, I think it's, and we, we've been having this discussion in other contexts. I think it's important. Like, I, I can see why he would want to include it on the basis of it being like a landmark piece of cinema and the story of how it was made being so interesting and sort of the um, the studio issues and things like that. But I mean, no, probably not personally. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I I can see why Ebert might think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'll probably, I, I don't want to spoil what my, so oh my, goodness. Child <laughs> are, your, are your children killing each other? Okay. <laughs> no, it's just the one. Um, okay. <laughs> So I probably won't be giving this a four star, but like if we're jumping to the end, I'll probably be giving it like a three and a half. So does that All count right. as a, a? That's pretty good. Yeah. Does that count as a great movie still, or does it need to be a full four? I no. guess it depends. Well, on this is what I would say. I would consider it a great movie, but not one of the great movies. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's a fair distinction. Yeah. I just don't know why if you're making an essay book to like show cinema, you're gonna pick a movie that's like inherently not there well I, I was gonna say i think that that's a good reason to show to include it i think that's maybe the one of the better arguments for it is um it sort of illustrates i mean this this and um grand illusion back to back are both sort of like rooted in film preservation like that movie was lost for a while and then this movie was lot like is lost um mm-hmm. In, in like a totally different way like that one just it, nobody had it and they thought it got destroyed during the bombings and then somebody came across it and this one like they always knew where it was it just got cut up and um they they didn't need the other five or well, no seven seven hours that that they cut so um you know it, it, it i think it's a good illustration this and grand illusion back to back of like the importance of film preservation Mm-hmm. So I think for that reason, it's it's maybe not even the movie itself, but um, like the post production issues are uh, are worthy of talking about. Yeah, absolutely. He does sound um, like, he does sound like an like an angry cat, an angry cat. Yeah, <laughs> just a little bit. Poor, poor kiddo. Um, I well, I was it was surprising to me that I so I had not heard of this movie, um, and I hadn't heard of the book either. Um, but I, you know, I am from Northern California and so I grew up like super interested in the gold rush and sort of this period of, of specifically California history. And so it's a really interesting like movie story to me from that perspective of it. Hey, it actually starts at a gold mine in Placer County, which is the county adjacent to where I grew up and, you know, San Francisco and Death Valley. And 
Um, so it had more story-wise going on with it than I, you know, it made me surprised that I was not familiar with it at all until literally, <laughs> but, but literally basically until I started watching, I was like, I don't even know what this is about. I went into it totally cold, just no concept of what it was about. If you had to guess which of the seven sins it was rooted in, where would you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I had one concept of what it was about. <laughs> and it turns out that was, that was, it's an accurate title. It's not it, much more than what the title says there's going to be a lot of sloth in this movie true that's true um oh something i did want to mention up front is uh where it is on the sight and sound poll so it it placed in the 2012 version i think it was really high in like the very first two versions of it Mm -hmm. like it was in maybe the top 10 but most recently it's shown up um in the 2012 version uh, tied at 84 with Fanny and Alexander, Casablanca, Color of Pomegranates, A Brighter Summer Day, and The Wild Bunch. That's a wild group of movies. That's a wild... Yes. One, that's too many movies to have tied at one spot. They've got to figure out their yeah, scoring yeah. system somehow. <laughs> or just have more people vote. Yeah. Exactly <laughs> so it's have... not like a bunch of movies tied for 10 votes. Right. Um, but that is a wild grouping of movies. <laughs> yeah, much lower on the director's poll, it seems. And I'm sort of surprised at one of the directors who voted for it a little bit, because I feel like I don't see this influence in his movies as much as some of the other ones on his list. But Guillermo del Toro voted for it. Oh, interesting. Okay, his mo- so his his list, um, wild. So eight and a half, um, sure. which, yeah, definitely, uh, I can see that. Cocteau's Beauty and the Beast, Oh, I mean, yeah, that's yeah, the most like, Del Toro movie ever. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Uh, Frankenstein, Freaks, this, okay. um, Los Olvidados, the Bunuel movie, oh, okay. Shadow of a Doubt, the Hitchcock movie, um, Nosferatu. Wait wait, 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 out of all the Hitchcock movies he's going to pick, he's going to go Shadow of a Doubt? You know, that was that was Hitchcock's favorite of his own movies, too. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is a very good It's movie. really good. It, it, it's just like a very out-of-the-way pick from what I think yeah. a normal person's Hitchcock pick would be. Yeah. It's got one of his best performances in it, too, Joseph Cotton in that yeah, movie. Cotton is so good. So in good. That. Um, Nosferatu, which makes sense. And then uh, this, the, the three that stand out to me are uh, this... Modern Times and Goodfellas. Interesting. Huh. Yeah, All I mean, right. good, good movies, very good movies. It's just, uh, I, I, yeah, I don't. That's a good list. Yeah, I would. I, wonder if I would think a... something more like, I mean, he's remaking Nightmare Alley, so I wouldn't right. have been surprised to have seen that, or something like sure. Eyes Without a Face. Feels very Del Toro-y. Um, but yeah, he, he uh, apparently really loves this movie. I wonder if there's a director that has more overlap with Ebert's great movies than that does. Because that contains That's a, a lot, lot of, of movies from the great movies essays. Yeah, I noticed mm-hmm. that. That is a lot um, of movies we have or will talk about. So, Nick, who are some of the other main directors that voted for Greed? Uh, there was only one other person, and it is Norbert Pfaffenbickler. Did you look this up and you're just trying to make me say this? What? I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) You broke Dylan now. Jesus. Have you seen the Steve Martin movie? Uh, I think it's The Man with... Man Without a Brain? Man... No. Or Man with Two Brains? Man with Two Brains. That's what it is. Yeah, his character... I'm trying to look up Norbit for Pfaffenbuffler. (laughs) Yeah, I don't even know how to Google this person. (laughs) I I tried to just look up Norbit, and I got the Eddie Murphy movie. Sure. In, uh, I mean, that's, it's in, named after that guy, so that's why. Gotcha. 
in the <laughs> in the man with two brains, his character is named uh, Doctor Fafurfer, I think. Uh, sure. Uh, anyways, this is a, an an Austrian director of such movies as Conference and something else. I'm not going to try to pronounce Mosaic Mechanique. Anyways, um, this guy liked a lot of uh, old movies, and then uh, the Lars von Trier's The Idiots. He he also had freaks on there, um, like uh, uh, the overlap like GDT. between freaks and Creed. Yeah. All right. Um, that was an interest, more interesting digression <laughs> than I expected. The one thing I didn't want to say is a lot of the movies tied at eighty four are just very long, very slow movies. Color of Pomegranates, Greed, Brighter Summer's Day, and Fanny and Alexander are isn't, in some way like isn't Color of Pomegranates like. I thought Color of Pomegranates is like only 80 minutes or something like that. Oh, is it? Well, that's, yeah, you're right. But that one's very, very slow. Oh, yeah, it makes <laughs> no sense. I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. I just found the director's name and started laughing again. <laughs> yeah, once you find it, it's. I, it's, I, think, I think it's just Pfaffenbickler. I think it's Norbert <laughs> Pfaffenbickler, which is. Yeah, it's impossible I like for that, me to say that. that. Three of his first five letters are F's. Oh, God. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to go back there, but it's I just like those, to look it up. Those fake Jeff Pass and uh, accounts that are tricking oh. people into trades. <laughs> it's just like Jeff with a bunch of Fs. Yeah, the the Jeff Pass with like five Fs and like three Ns that was mm-hmm. tweeting out that like Chris Bryant was going to the Yankees and the Dodgers and uh, yikes. Yikes indeed. Oh yeah, he does like a lot of old movies. Hmm. Um, sorry. No, it's all. I just, I just stopped, just stopped the podcast. But yes, bet- between traps. between this a brighter summer's day, or a brighter summer day, and Fanny and Alexander, that's like uh, what four four plus four plus four hours of movies, <laughs> just in those three. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, crazy. What's that tapping sound? Oh, that's probably me. Oh. <laughs> we're uh <clears throat> we're locked in today no I'm well we don't have a, an oscar uh like i know, I know. well that's but we have sight and sound which is our other Diver, favorite yeah uh, rabbit got, we got down. one of the two um I, i'm sorry now i'm just reading um del toro's comments about why he voted for all the movies he voted for oh i, I didn't see that, he, that you can i didn't see that down, he had that i love it when people do that i yeah i've never noticed this before so what does he um, say about greed it says Wait, is that the only one he doesn't talk about? I, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, Ebert, Ebert does, actually. Oh, here we go. Yeah, on, on his, an, exquisite, an exquisite engraving of human perversity. Greed is a monumental fable that will continue to influence cinema for decades to come. As modern and brutal today as it was the day it was released, a perfect reflection of the anxiety permeating the passage into the 20th century and the absolute dehumanization that was to come. So, well, do uh, we have to review the movie now? I was going to say, I yeah, think we he, can just... He, uh, he pretty much got kinda it. kind of nailed yeah. it. Yeah, um, and it actually, it actually does a good job of explaining like why it fits in with his themes and and yeah. things. Even yeah, that yeah, I suppose be. that's true. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like uh, I think we talked about this on a few movies in the past, but it's what Greed is like one of those movies that's just like good movie. I have nothing to say. It's just there. Yeah, I mean, I guess if we just like we were saying before, you can do a the it's four hours long but the plot is just incredibly straightforward <laughs> like and I'm, I'm i'm assuming that most people um 
if they're listening to this, probably haven't watched the movie. Um, like, maybe almost more so than ever. Um, yeah. I do think it's so weird that I had to pay two ninety nine to rent this on iTunes. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's because, so we were, you know, with how old it is, but I think the issue might be that the, the restoration. recent remath, the re- restoration was done in the 90s, so the re- it's not public domain because of that. Um, gotcha. Yeah, so. I bet I bet the older, like, two-hour version is available somewhere on, like, Library of Congress or something like that, public domain. Oh, yeah. But then you're missing out on all the Ken Burns and all the stuff with uh, his drunk dad, who was... A clown? Oh my god! Those <laughs> images of like the parents were terrifying. Like, terrifying. They, it looked like something out of a like twenties horror movie. Yeah. Um, and actually, like, the, all the teeth stuff. I mean, I'm a dentist, but like everyone's bad <laughs> teeth. Like, oh, oh. I I will say, out of all the things that have gotten cut, I would have been most sad to lose um, the subplots. As I would think, yeah. they're I I really like them, and they're maybe one of like the standout parts of the movie. I do like the way Wikipedia sets up the plot summary, where there's plot summary, and then there's just... Subplot summary. Yeah, subplot summary. Yeah. <laughs> it just well, completely separates them out. Especially, I mean, I guess because they were totally excised from the originally released version, so they kind of stand on their own. Yeah, um, they really don't overlap with the actual plot at all. Not really. They, they really don't. Like, the, the Grannis and Miss Baker thing, like... <laughs> no. I, they're their neighbors, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. They might walk, across, like, literally walk past each other at one point. But even then, yeah. we don't know because it's just a still frame. But I think they're just, like, around each other at one point. But then everything else is just, like, them. That's yeah. it. Oh, yeah, I mean, and the other plot, the other, I mean, crosses over with the lottery ticket. But mm-hmm. sure, otherwise, sure. otherwise, it's its own little self-contained little drama. Yeah, I do like how that one, though, um, and I, I guess the same thing with, like, Maria and Zerk, how um, you sort of see how, like, the older couple, Grannis and Baker, don't really have any greed, and mm-hmm. their their relationship ends up being pretty good, or, mm-hmm. like, very good, like, idyllic, in fact, uh, to mm-hmm. the point where, like, one of my favorite parts of the movie is when, after they get married, you see, like, the the paintings like watercolor looking paintings of them and mm-hmm. I, I mean like the movie actually um so it's obviously a black and white movie but there's like the gold color tinting i mm-hmm. think look yes i think that looks so beautiful i, I love seeing color in black and white things mm-hmm. um like high and low i think has a, was, a yeah so sort of like a jaw-dropping example of it but same thing with this like when we when we get to those paintings of them it was like stunning to me um and and it's a good parallel for how uh i mean they have this don't they end up with like also being as wealthy as Mm -hmm. uh is trina Mm -hmm. and mcteague yeah and you see how their (laughs) their lives end up the the way uh it can be as opposed to um you know being a a multiple homicide committer oh my god yeah (laughs) i think their storyline is really necessary, especially when you add in the, um, I don't know, what are their names? The like the junk people, Maria and Zerkow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, because when you add them into into the story, it's just like too much, like the horror of greed and mm-hmm. the consumerism, it, and it's and like it destroys everything and everybody. Yeah. So we need we need to like see the Grannis and Baker things to. Um, 
I actually flesh it out a little bit more. I think you can cut Maria and Zerkow entirely, yeah. and they don't really add much to me. Th- their their plot is the exact same as McTeague and Trina's. Like, right? There's Back greed. The, there's Google. greed, and then yeah, like it it ends in uh, what's the word spouse spouse aside? Like it, mm-hmm. <laughs> very yeah. much. Um, it, it's intense. Um, yeah. Like, you don't need that subplot at all. It's doing the same thing. It's putting a hat on a hat. You can just cut it. And, well, I mean, I guess they did cut it. Yeah, but they shouldn't exactly. have cut the Grannis and Baker stuff, too. Yeah, the Grannis and Baker stuff I really I really liked, okay. and I think it does a good job of uh, of contrasting. Yeah, to actually mm-hmm. have a counterpoint um, Yeah, for all the greed. Um, well, I think that's all we really need to say about the subplots. Yeah. Yeah can focus on just like the rest of the movie instead um it starts off on like a really awesome opening scene of um mcteague working as a miner mm-hmm. and uh he just like chucks a guy off the for hurting yeah. a bird yeah yep. yeah the, I, although I that bird is pretty that. <laughs> when the guy got, fl- got flung off the thing i was like jesus you just flung a guy <laughs> it was uh alarming how did that guy live yeah. Oh, that's what's so funny is that he like sits up and I'm just like, oh, okay. I, I'm not sure you'd uh, rebound so quickly. He goes like down a steep cliffside, yeah. cliffside, hits rocks, falls into a river and gets hit by more rocks. And he's just like, hi. Yeah, and then just sits back up like, well, that was annoying. As we all know, in the early 20th century, ravines were much softer. Yes. <laughs> Apparently. Climate but, change. But I did enjoy this was one of the first uses of the the little bit of color and it's such an effective mm-hmm. way to show someone gold mining and have the little flecks of gold like you yes. know when he's, it looked yes. really cool i love the little stomping machine mm-hmm. also yeah. with like they're going through the mud and you can like see the gold popping out and stuff yeah. um yeah but the bird is one of like the most key sort of aspects of this movie and it's really just like the canary in the coal mine of like mcteague's his mind. humanity yeah yes um given how that bird ends up at the end of the movie granted just like everybody bird, else in the movie basically yeah that also that bird's not living even that long in in the death valley yeah. desert yeah no 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 yeah um but then the the main plot of the movie did okay wait wait, wait hold on did that opening remind you of days of heaven i i Yes, it did. Absolutely. Oh, sure. Exactly. Okay. He, he, he like, I mean, in that one, he, I think he kills the person he assaults. Um, does he, Nick, does he kill him? So I think in the Wikipedia or maybe in Ebert's essay, it says that he's killed him. It's never made explicitly clear. Yeah. But uh, it, it seems. Either way, imp- he has to like leave. It seems whichever. pretty strongly implied that he killed him. Yeah. Since he yeah. has to, yeah, take off. Yeah. Yeah. But even if he like, just really severely beat him, him. Yeah. like mm-hmm. you still gotta get get out of dodge if that's gonna happen um but yeah and him just like kind of like leaving the mining village after yeeting someone off a cliff and just like trying to start a life uh somewhere else in greed america just felt real days of heavenly mm-hmm. um but yeah so he meets uh a dentist with this awesome huge gold tooth and starts being his apprentice and um at f- when this part of the movie started i was like oh no this can go bad um 
but it didn't really and they did mention later in the wikipedia summary that i guess the book mcteague especially at this part of the book is incredibly anti-semitic yeah, I, I saw that it was like one of the choices he made was to cut out the anti-Semitism. It's like, oh, good. I'm glad. Thank yeah, you yeah. For doing and, that. Yeah, good for you, uh, Eric. <laughs> yeah, good, appreciate good that. <laughs> um, I could feel it coming, and I'm I'm glad it never like fell into like, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um, but yeah, so I really like the scene where he like, <laughs> he's like, I don't know. He's like completely curled over the woman in the chair. He's got his little hand, or big hand in her mouth, and he's just pulling a tooth out with his bare hands. Yeah. Gross. Yeah, it's gross. <laughs> Old old timey dentistry seemed like it was uh not fun. No. Well he's not even like a real dentist, right? He's, no, he, yeah, no, he's not licensed. He, yeah. <laughs> and at that point it's like his first day on the job. Yeah, he's he's like learning to be a dentist, basically, but he's yeah, he's not really not a real dentist. So, Janet, when yes. did you... Um, you watched this in two sittings. Mm-hmm. Where did you split it up and then decided to watch this in 7.30 in the morning? Um, God, I'm trying to remember even where. It's all blurs together. I think it was when they got married, maybe? I can't remember exactly. It was around that time is where I split it up. Which, by the way, like, as I was sort of mentioning earlier, like... Every like scenes are allowed to uh, take their time, um, and I kept expecting things to happen more quickly than they did. And I'd be like, "Okay, I'll pause it after like the next thing happens," and then <laughs> nothing would really happen <laughs> for like fifteen or twenty minutes. Well, what I literally just described as the plot is forty-five, fifty minutes of mm-hmm. the movie. Yep. Yeah. And I did that in like two sentences. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because yeah, then he meets. It's, God, I forgot her name. Trina? Trina. Trina. Yeah, the, the, Trina. Yeah. And I can never, what, what's the guy's name that's, uh, Mac? Uh, Mar- Trina. Which one? Marcus, the friend? Yeah, Marcus. Yeah. Marcus Schuler. It's, it's a cousin, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. her cousin. But, okay. um, just like, uh, we talked about with Gone with the Wind, um, them backs in the days. Uh, yeah. That doesn't mean you couldn't, uh, be planning to marry your cousin. Woohoo! You guys are really ruining my, uh, year end list. <laughs> oh. Oh. Season, season oh. Spoiler list. alert for end of the season list movies where uh, people <laughs> jealously try to get in between cousins being married to each other. Yep, one's more successful than the other. But, uh, well, that's true. That's true. To be fair, Mar- Marcus is and, and okay. We'll just get to the next part. Yeah. Uh, Trina kind of comes. You in do not, to- under any circumstances, have to hand it to him. <laughs> to quote, <laughs> to quote, drill. That's true. <laughs> it's really true. Um, <laughs> but uh, Trina comes in to get like a checkup from uh, McTeague. I believe we've already met Marcus at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, McTeague like puts, put, what is it, like the, um, Nick, what's it like, called? Uh, I think Ebert calls it chloroform. He um, calls it chloroform. I like doubt- nitrous oxide, I think, is what they use more. Cont- but okay. I don't know. I don't, That's that, what they that use is, now. I don't know what they were doing in the 20s. Yeah, that is not I my mean, to be field fair, of... Uh, medical... We would use... They could have been chloroforming people. <laughs> yeah, we would use like Versed for uh, for our procedures, but I don't really do procedures anymore. Versed and fentanyl for uh, pain control. So I don't think mm-hmm. that that's what they had going on back then. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of a creepy scene, though. Him, uh, yeah, yes. rough, rough stuff. Yeah, um, it's not good. 
Um, yeah. So the, he the uh, some kissing of an unconscious lady. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he he like chloroforms her, and then it's like he his lust like overcomes him, and he sort of mounts her and starts kissing her and. Uh, got, gave me real uh, Steve Martin and Little Shop of Horror vibes with uh, the gas and the the Bill Murray stuff, which is not a creeper. explicitly um, sexual, but implicitly incredibly sexual in that I, scene. I think it is sort of explicit. On <laughs> it Bill is explicit. It just never goes like all the way with it. But uh, good lord. <laughs> um. Did the, yeah. Un- unlike the. Uh, the guy who taught him dentistry or quack dentistry, his his car had like the tooth hanging yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Did that remind you at all of uh, uh, Django? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Oh, like the, yeah. The, the, uh, that was my first Walton. thing I thought of. Obviously, was Christoph Waltz's uh, little bouncy tooth on his wagon. Yeah. Django. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That that's definitely a Quentin reference. I guess that's, that's how you advertised. Be. I guess that's how you advertised back in the day that you were a dentist. Yeah. <laughs> Just stick a tooth on something. The way it's done, though, if I'm remembering yeah. Jingo as well as I'm pretty sure I do, but like it looks very, very similar. Yeah, it's just not gold. It's really like the only difference I could think of. Um, anyway, so yeah, he's overcome with the lust and beauty of Trina. I roll, um, but he asks Marcus if he can marry him, her, and uh, Marcus is like, "Bruh, I was gonna marry her, but sure." And uh, they do. And now we're an hour and a half into the movie, I guess, if that's where Janice stopped and had two and a half hours this morning. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, we haven't even gotten to the lottery ticket, and we're <laughs> approaching the two-hour mark. That's, this yeah. This was, I, I peaked. Like, to be fair, there's no one's, a, no one's been a lot more subplot in this section of the movie going on. So I will say, like I said, I, I went in totally blind. I had no idea what the movie was about. Put it on. Watch it for like a half an hour, and I'm like, wait, what is this movie about? <laughs> Went and read the Wikipedia summary and thought, oh, okay, I see where this is going. And then the entire kept, plot summary. Right. And then kept waiting for the things to happen. I'm like, where's this lottery ticket? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is happening in this plot? I, wait, I, you I, didn't just read like the synopsis? You, just, you, you read the whole plot? I read the whole plot summary, yes. Oh, jeez. I, I do that all the time, guys. You know, I do that. I, I um, know. I, I just still surprises me. Yes. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I can't. <laughs> I couldn't function uh, like that. I, I, I'd, that, would, that I'd would had the, me crazy. I'd had like the very final shot spoiled for me, unfortunately, because it's in um, story of film that long Mark Cousins doc. So uh. I so I only knew how it ended. Oh, <laughs> you know what? I, let me take that back. I did not read the entire. I basically read, I think I read like the first half to see where it was going because I did not know how it was going to end. Um, okay. So I had, I did not read all the way through to the oh, end. Okay. I just read enough to be like what. What is happening? <laughs> and, <laughs> and then it still didn't really help me. It's a fantastic ending. It's a it's amazing. I love the oh ending. The ending's so good. Yeah, it's we'll, the best we'll part of it. Obviously, but... I agree. It's like, and it's actually kind of to me. And I guess I shouldn't be like surprised or impressed by this necessarily. But like, it's just such a good payoff to mm-hmm. the yes. the entire movie and and where these characters have come from and sort of comes full circle and in a way I did not expect it to. Um, yeah. I was impressed. Hey, it's a fun story. I, I know. I'm saying, I, yeah, I don't know why. I was like, well, good job uh, telling a full circle story, Eric Von I'm okay. <laughs> I, <sighs> I, I like the uh, description of him watching the nine and a half premiere. Uh, he did it with like no breaks, no, f- no food, no intermission, nothing. And he was like standing rigid, like a, pr- mm-hmm. they said like a Prussian general <laughs> the entire time it was going. It's just like, 
Fuck yeah, that's Von Strowman. <laughs> with with like the the monocle from from uh, Grand Illusion. Yeah, he's, and, like, he's using monocle and monocle back on brace. His using yeah, on. using the neck brace so you're at like his full life. attention the entire time. <laughs> Uh, that was von Stroheim, though. Um, okay, so we finally, now that they're married, now that all this stuff has happened, um, actually nothing's happened, but it's been almost two hours in the movie. Sure. Um, uh, Trina buys a lottery ticket, and she wins. She wins $5,000. Mm-hmm. Do you guys know what the spending power of $5,000 is in today's money? I do because I looked it up immediately. I looked it up too, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't. I looked it up later in the movie when I was like, God, this must be like $5 million in today's money. It's it's approximately $163,000, um, which is a life-changing amount of money. Actually, to, to be yeah. clear. Did, you do, did you do inflation? I did spending power. Oh, I didn't just what dr- the value would be. Spending power was seventy eight thousand dollars. Oh, okay. So, so somewhere between seventy five and one hundred fifty thousand. Either, either way, it's which would be a life changing amount of money. Yeah, it's for a lot of money. Pretty much everybody. I take seventy eight thousand dollars. But they right are now. they are acting. Yeah, they're the, they're, acting they're acting like acting, it's fifty million dollars. Exa- exactly. Like I, it's yeah, I was a like, mega million jackpot. How much inflation is going on here? Because they, what what are you going to do hoarded like seventy five thousand dollars for? That's not going to make you. Just, yeah, well, I mean, I hear I'm going, just spend it. Like, okay, that, <laughs> we would not have the movie if it was not for this uh, yeah. dispute. Um, so, there, there's multiple disputes that goes on in this movie. McTeague wants to be more um, open, I would say, with how he uses the money. Mm-hmm. And um, Trina is psychotic in the way she decides to just, it will get to yeah. like literally she just sits on it like that is pretty much yeah well, well, yeah well it's like they're they're both greedy but in different ways where he he is greedy because he wants to be able to spend stuff and like yeah live get, it up and be lavish. get hammered all the time and she just yeah. wants to have the money for having the money's sake and so she can like yes shine it right mm-hmm. yeah the, the, at the end of the movie she's basically shining it and sleeping with it in her bed yeah she's obsessed with the sort of concept of having the money you know which like I think that's a good point is that it's, it's demonstrating sort of the two different types of greed or obsessions with money that can break people's brains. Yeah. And, um, which are you guys? Spend. Oh, I'm a spender. Yeah. Same. <laughs> obviously look, we've turns to my like shelf of criterion. I was going to say, yeah. go look at our criterion. Shelves, and then yeah. look, it's over at this shelf of just a shit ton of board games. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not saving that money. Um, but so you guys associate more with the murderer in this movie? Yeah, exactly. More, more relatable. Sure. Yeah. God. Um, one of my favorite little aspects of this movie is like every time Trina is thinking about the gold, it like cuts to this weird, fantastical, like hypnotic thing. Smeagol hands. Yes, they are <laughs> kind of like Smeagol hands. There's like gold, like gold in like a chest or like a box or it, somewhere. And there's these gold in these hands reaching down into this really well painted gold uh, film stock, uh, just uh, like touching the gold. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, I remember Jana last week, and I didn't really want to like spoil this too oh, much, right. but you you were like, I always assumed this picture was like for a horror movie because mm-hmm. of like the hand, and I was the like, hand is so the one thing that I like visually remembered from the movie when I watched it like 
seventh grade or something mm-hmm. was um the, just the hands reaching and touching the gold. And I, I mean, so there's I was a, like, there's you, you a good poster. Yeah. You still get it. Yeah. It's it's not like even a um a, like a it, like a what is it called like an image interpretation of what greed is like. No, that's just like a mm-hmm. shot in the movie. Yeah. Um. Oh, so we didn't really. I mean, other than calling me out on watching this this morning um <laughs> nick had you seen this before no i've never movie? seen it before okay i didn't think i didn't think yeah so. i didn't I, I think i knew you guys hadn't seen it before but, yeah. um, what made you watch this in like junior high dylan oh that'd be okay okay fair enough you're like this this project <laughs> he's holding up the book to uh yeah, <laughs> i realize yeah. on this audio on medium. this audio only medium but yeah wait um, is this not a video podcast no, not, not yet. <laughs> then why did I wear my brand new shirt today? Hey, look at Paddington. that. Oh, nice. Nick is rocking the, the super yucky free Paddington shirt. Hell yeah. Good it's a shirt so that well. says free Paddington. It's not a free shirt of Paddington. <laughs> Important <laughs> clarification. Um, it costs the regular amount. It costs the regular Damn. online t-shirt amount. Um, yeah, I, I really watched it mainly because I like the essay was like, this is like the holy grail of cinema. And I was like, gotta watch it and watched it on like YouTube and was like, wow, movie. I can't, I would not, I barely had the attention span now to, uh, watch this movie. I could not at like 11 or 12 years old and like, I'm going to sit down and watch this. So that is very, look, I was weird. I was very pretentious. More than I am now. Fair enough. I was going to say, maybe I'm Uh, pretentious now because I thought this was, like, pretty easy to watch. Like, I didn't find it that uh, arduous to watch, really. I got to get over my silent film thing. Um, On on a scene-by-scene basis, I was never uninterested. But, like, the time period, it was, like, going and going. I was just like... Yeah, the the opening scene in particular for me, I was engrossed pretty quickly. And there were lots of individual scenes and moments that Mm. that obviously really work. Yeah. Um, It's just like a psychological thing where I'm thinking, okay, so now there's three and a half hours left. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Three hours left. There's a lot of, like, little moments that aren't really pushing the plot forward, but that I really like. Um, yeah, all I don't the think stuff with like Tr- I'd really cut in this movie. Tr- Trina is saying bye to her mom and like her crying and her oh, mom like I pushing liked, her to her I husband. Stuff crazy. like that. I liked that part. Yeah, things like that. There's there's like a lot of really good humanistic moments that that are small and don't really drive anything for other than like sort of building up how how she's sort of like a normal scared person and it's the greed and the money that like really destroy her. It's have yeah. you guys read um, the Pearl by John Steinbeck? No. A long time ago. That I don't was, think so. So this was, reminded like, me of school. that a lot. In that one, I, I don't think they're as uh, like greedy in it per se, but it's like a, a, a poor couple with a baby, and they find a pearl, yeah. and they're trying to like make money by selling this pearl, and their life yeah. goes from you know poor, poor, unassuming, but generally content lives to their lives being fucking ruined. And this is sort of that heightened to not only are their lives ruined, but they're the ones like, yeah, really mm-hmm. doing it to themselves, and especially McTeague. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought, I thought, like throughout this movie, um, that story kept coming back to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I needed this to be like an eight-part Ken Burns uh, documentary where I could just like watch an episode and be. Engage the entire episode and then wait a week to get to the next episode. <laughs> Just space it out. Yeah. 
Um, there, so I, I guess I just want to talk about this because I'm looking at the Wikipedia summary as I'm going through this. But they show this incredible shot, which is basically the shot that made Citizen Kane famous, which is you have a staircase, you're at a low-angle shot, you're seeing... And that one, it's Geddes walking down the stairs and Kane sort of over his shoulder oh. yelling at him. And in yep. this one, it's McTeague going down the stairs and there's mm-hmm. Trina lit up behind him. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not yelling at him, but looking incredibly disapproving. Yeah. Um, and was like, you know, we we have these like markers for like the shots and things that change cinema. And like, mm-hmm. this is not to say that Citizen Kane isn't game changing as far as like the cinematic landscape goes but like there's things that are attributed to Kane that I'm sure Wells was taking inspiration from from things before him yeah and just popularized basically yes. did it on a grand yes. scale where everybody saw it um more you so people than... didn't see greed I mean I didn't look up the box office for uh <laughs> this movie but Box office mojo greed. Yeah, right. Actually, the box office is on the Wikipedia. Oh, is I it? I don't know what this includes, but it says box office $274,000. For a $665,000 budget, apparently. Yeah, it made back a third of its budget. So, it's not that's on, not good. It's not on box office mojo, unfortunately. Oh, darn. No, I, I don't think they go back. I don't think that goes back before, like, 1980, so. Useless. <laughs> Um, yeah, so there's a lot of arguments between Marcus and McTeague because, uh, Marcus thinks not only is Trina still sort of his, but also the money she wins his as well. He definitely um, seems madder about the money than Trina, like yes, in terms but of, I, I think it kind of is sort of lumped together yeah. with this possessiveness over Trina sure. herself. Sure. There's one of my favorite parts in the movie is like when McTeague is like smoking against the wall of this like bar room that uh, Marcus is yelling at him, and then Marcus like whips out this like uh, throwing knife and throws it at McTeague, and it just like cuts his uh, cigar and oh. lands in the wall behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a cool effect, which um, definitely seemed like it was a uh, cocktail like reverse. Oh sure, they shot like it using one way it backwards, and yeah. It. Um, but, uh, yeah, some real funny, like, weird moments in this movie like that, that, uh, along with sort of the sweeter, more humanist, uh, things, was able to give it, like, a dynamic where it wasn't just always, like, greed, but that is how it feels a lot of the time. Um, around here, I think we get to the intermission, which is... That's always weird to have an intermission two hours into a movie. Two hours. <laughs> nice little break for you to stretch your legs. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. What happens in the second half? Look, it I ju- mean... Yeah, like, jumps a few years forward, and mm-hmm. they're still, like, despite having all this money, they're still basically living like they're poor. Mm-hmm. Okay, hold on. I want to read this... this singularly and fairly short paragraph on the Wikipedia summary. And I want you to tell me how many minutes you think this probably covers in the movie. 
Scholler leaves for the city to become a cattle rancher, but before he goes, he secretly, in order to ruin his former friend, reports McTeague for practicing dentistry without a license. McTeague is ordered to shut down the practice or face jail. Even though she has saved 200 in additional from the original 5000 from the lottery ticket, Trina is unwilling to spend her money. Money's become increasingly scarce with the couple forced to sell their possessions. McTeague finally snaps and bites Trina's fingers in a fit of rage. Later, he goes fishing to earn the money, taking Trina's savings, now totaling $450. That's How much... Like- a- that's like most of the rest of the movie. <laughs> I was going to say, at least That's an hour? Maybe more? an hour and 20 minutes of that yeah. movie. Yeah. Like pretty much the only stuff that happens after that is he kills her and then he kills someone else. I was going to say, and, <laughs> and then, then gets killed. makes a run for it and then more yeah. death. Yeah. Um, yeah. The last that stretch, I just, actually, that last stretch of the movie where he's just like on the run in Death Valley is pretty short compared to the fact that is. this is a four-hour like long movie. Fifteen to twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. It, it's actually once it does sort of decide to wrap up, it wraps up really quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, you know, at least in the grand scheme of things. Um, did you guys have anything to say about that whole section? Because <laughs> I think the much more interesting stuff comes afterwards. <laughs> Not really. I, I, what I think is really weird is that both the the Zerkow Maria relationship oh. and the um, McTeague and Trina thing is, is like if they just shared a bank account, their problems would have been solved. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to get too yeah. personal, but Jana, do you and Matt share a bank account? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So do, so do Nellie and I. Um, yeah. And I. I don't know. I feel like it's just much easier, and we're not going to murder each other over yeah. the money because it's both of our money. I do have that going for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the point, right? Like it, um, you know, if they could just share the money and in both instances, then there wouldn't be so much paranoia and uh, greed, for lack of a better word. Whoa. I know. It's the name Good of the movie. Good word to use here in this movie. I know. Um, yeah. So we could get to the part where he uh, bites her fingers out of anger. Um, what the hell? Yeah. It's weird. It was very, very strange. Um, I really like the way that uh, basically her fingers get like infected, and they have to amputate them. Yeah, gross. Um, they turn yeah, blue. Yeah, my mom. They, yeah, they. I was just about to say they. It, it's really cool the way they uh, show that by like tinting the mm-hmm. uh, stock blue. Yeah. On those frames. Uh, yeah, I love um, that. I thought it looked incredible. I like that. Yeah. It looked amazing. Um, so my mom watched like the first thirty minutes with me, and then like. I was watching this on my own, and then she walked into the room at this point, and she was like, why are fingers getting amputated in this movie? I was like, it's a long story. Great, great question. Um, yeah. Some dude bit it out of anger because he wanted $200 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, she then starts working in, like, a children's school um, and withdraws all her money, and this is when she's shining it. Um... There's a point in which McTeague comes back and there's this great shot of him like looking sort of through the window at her, like begging to come in. Mm-hmm. It's very scary. Um, it reminded me of the Night of the Hunter I, scene where... Oh my God. We're like mind meld between like Days of Heaven <laughs> yeah. and all these other... Like that's exactly what I thought of too. Well, Charles Larton's looking at through the window at Lillian Gish. Yeah. Yeah. No, Although uh, that... Robert Mitchum. Yeah, Charles Larton's the director. I'm sorry, Robert <laughs> Mitchum. Um... They didn't sing an awesome, like, uh, bop together, though. No, they didn't. I'm like, that's the best fucking movie. There's, um, there's, like, one other small scene in the midst of all this. Like, before she loses her fingers and, and 
all that all that shit after he loses his job and he has to like he has to sell all the stuff but when he um is like basically erasing the chalkboard that has i don't know if it's like his schedule or something on it mm-hmm. um and like she starts crying and that's how they are using like that's what they're her tears are what they're using to wipe down the chalkboard i really like that moment and it's sort of like they're they're already starting to fall apart. She's like refusing to give her mom money. Um, mm-hmm. Like her mom yeah. writes and asks her for fifty bucks, and she's like, "I'm not going to do it." And then she says, "Well, how about you give twenty five and I give twenty five And then she ultimately concludes, "If she really needs it, she'll ask me again." So she's already like gone down this path, but she still does have like these sweeter moments with McTeague um, when he loses his job. That uh, I don't know. I I like that. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, she's not fully off the rails yet. <laughs> but again, going back, so we didn't really describe. We described how the the Baker and Granis thing ended up, but specifically, like Zerk, how murders Maria and then throws her into the bay because he she he thinks she's like stashing money away that she's not telling him about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then not 20 minutes later in this movie, the same thing happens. And it's just, like we said, it just feels real jarring. Yeah. Um, and in, in, in McTeague's case, he comes back again and, um, hey, Christmas, Christmas, Christmas movie. Sure. Um, but she's, uh, she's at her school, right? And she's hanging decorations for like a christmas uh dance or uh day or whatever um and uh he just kills her it's very quick and incredibly brutal um it's very broken blossomsy it very much is oh thought a lot about like the um the sort of uh what's it called the closet scene yeah yeah. we don't directly see what's happening because it's sort of in shadow but he like takes her out of the main room and into a hallway and starts like literally throwing her around and uh the the way it's staged is is really uh effective and i think it's kind of beautifully staged because you don't actually see anything um yeah right eh, kind of not the 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 worst parts of it you see that there's like movement but you're not actually seeing her yeah sure actively sure. being murdered mm-hmm. um we do see the aftermath of her body, though, which That's was uh, yeah. surprising because, <laughs> yeah. whoa, it is a lot of blood and a lot of mangled limb action going on there. Yep. Yep. Gross. It's not great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you guys Bummer. don't know how to respond to that. I was like, yeah, it's not good. Bad, bad call on his part. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. He shouldn't have done it. Yeah, yeah. agreed. <laughs> okay. I'm glad we're all on the same page again. Real, real mind meld once more. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, McTeague kind of bails again. Um, doesn't have the best control over his anger. No, not great. He got real mad over that uh concertina, the little tiny accordion that shaped <laughs> pond. I love that part. I love also, that little accordion. Um, similar to that, but uh, even mentioned in his essay the part where he goes to the movie theater, 
and uh, he like he wants to sit next to the band, oh. and they're like, "So you want to sit on the right side?" And he's like, "No, I want to." And like, there's this like misunderstanding, and he just like flips out. Yeah, um, he's, he's got a bit of a temper. Yeah, those are just sort of humorous, and nothing bad happens though. Mm-hmm. I'm like throwing someone off a cliffside or yeah, spousal murder. But at this point, he decides to bail. He goes and flees to Death Valley. Um, he uh, McT- what's the guy's? Name? It's Marcus, right? Marcus yep. Schuler. Yes. So Marcus is like, um, yeah. I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> yeah, pops back up. <laughs> yeah, it real like he comes out of nowhere. He's out of the movie for like two full hours, mm-hmm. and then he's just there again. And in Death Valley of all places, this is. I mean, I know it's in the same state as where they are in anyway, but that seems like 500 miles away from... It's, it's probably a couple hundred, yeah. It's not It's not close. No. So, uh, yeah. And he just kind of, like, tells the posse that's, like, going to round him up, like, he's mine. And they're like, okay. All right. <laughs> Feel that strongly about it. Really great uh, justice uh, yeah. systems here. Well, it's it's... I found it kind of amusing how it turns into like a little mini western at the end, basically. Really, all, all of a sudden, it's really like you're watching does. a western for the last twenty minutes, which is fun. I liked it. Um, yeah. So basically, he catches up to McTeague. McTeague. Um, they get into a scuffle, at which point they both kind of like realize that they're not getting out of there, and they're like. They, like, become buddies and, like, oh, we should shoot the horse so it doesn't suffer. And then they go back to killing each other. It's yeah. it's a weird dynamic, but they're just going absolutely bonkers in the desert together. Because well, they also lose all the water, right? Like, yes, and at yes. that point, then you're really done for. Yeah. Um, and then they uh, they get into a scuffle. McTeague kills uh, Schuler, but Schuler is handcuffed McTeague to him. Mm-hmm. And then you're really not getting anywhere. This ending is so bleak. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It is so bleak. <laughs> Nick. <laughs> I love it. And uh, as uh, Ebert points out, um, he does a good bookend of like the bird to the bird. Mm-hmm. Um, releases the bird. The bird just dies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hot out. Yeah. <laughs> they don't call it Life Valley. They sure don't. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. <laughs> It's very hot there. Yeah. Uh, have, have either of you guys been to Death Valley? No. I've been I like, would... near it. There's, there's, no. You don't need to go. <laughs> I need to go. It's got some really good bird watching. Oh, sure. Yeah, is it like, uh, like ones there. that have just been freed from a dying man's cage? <laughs> I was going to say, is it this particular bird you want to go watch? <laughs> no, no. It's, it's um, this bird's progeny like a hundred generations later. <laughs> No. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. So, um, Greed? Greed. Yeah. That's Bad. it? That's movie? I like I like cosmic justice endings like yeah. this sometimes, if if done well. Sometimes it feels a little hokey, but in this one it's just like, right. it, it ends with the gotcha bitch. Yeah, and I, and I think, yeah, I think that's a really <laughs> good way of... Gotcha. <laughs> I think that's a really well, I don't know about that. But I think... <laughs> Generally, that's a really good way of putting it, and sort of what I was trying to get at earlier, which is, you know, it, it, 
there's it's not a given that this ending would work that well. You know, mm-hmm. like like you said, it could it, sort of that that cosmic justice ending could be like, Meh, okay, but man, does it really really work well um, after you know it builds to, to it so much? But uh, yeah, like, well, well a lot impressed. of ti- a lot of times those endings feel sort of hokey. I, I feel like uh, maybe lower tier episodes of twilight zone or something sure. like black, black mirror oh, yeah. always sort of feel oh, like yeah i mean like, it's a very oh. all the time in the world kind of yeah. thing you know yeah um but in this one it, it works because it's really bleak like mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what helps sell it is you're like not that you want mcteague to get away with it but it's like mm-hmm. okay he's just gonna like burn to death in the desert that's that's cosmic justice in a way that like you sort of don't even want because it's such an upsetting death he can't really even like kill himself at this point yeah like he's just gonna gradually die a miserable death while handcuffed to a dead body could you imagine like awful that's why it works that's why i thought about this it's a cool ending yeah it is um cool so Slight tangent, sorry, slight tangent. There is a list. I was looking up something on Wikipedia, and there is a list. Yes, give um, us lists. There's a list of films cut over the director's opposition, um, which is a hilarious list. I have no idea why. Is every single Elaine Mays movie in this list? that's the thing. It's like, I don't know exactly why these are the movies they picked. There's only... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Is There's David Ayer's Suicide Squad There's, on the list? It's not. There oh are six. It should be. Did you guys see Espresso released? I sure did. Sure <laughs> did. I heard he. What did it say? I didn't care to try to read it, but was it just like these bitches stole my movie? I want my movie back. It says a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, it kind of. It's, validated a lot of things I had already assumed about David Ayer. Let's put it that way. I think it was Jordan Hoffman who, who said, uh, yeah, this letter really just proves that David Ayer needs an editor. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, somebody else I mean, pointed, I, there's a soft implication that he engaged in cannibalism, maybe. Wait, what? Like, if you read between the lines. It's very strange. It, how Army Hammer are we I talking mean, here? It, it was more like a live or Donner Party cannibalism on a submarine. So I will say, you know, okay. I, I am in no way, uh, in no way do you have to hand it to him. Um, I will say the story <laughs> of how, how Suicide Squad came together, like, is very bananas. Like, they fully handed the film over to the, when the trailer was successful, they fully handed the film over to the company that cut the trailer and said, hey, recut the movie to make it more like the trailer. Like, I get that that's not ideal mm-hmm. <laughs> filmmaking, um, but... Him Wait, going, the first trailer? The for for the whatever the Suicide Squad. I don't even. I've well, I remember the, the trailer, first but. trailer of Suicide Squad is completely different from what the movie feels like. Yeah, the I first trailer is like intense and like dark. And then no, they Suicide wanted the Squad one that was like, like more fun. I think I think it was. So gotcha. I think it was the second one. They wanted it to be more like woo crazy, you know, like Harley Quinn quips kind of thing. Um, Kill me. But um, yeah. So I, I, I'm not saying that that's how people should handle uh, filmmaking, but man, just Ayer does not do himself any favors yeah. and seems like a real weirdo. Um, but that movie's not on this list. At least no one's added it yet. Um, but I will say Greed is the very first movie on the list. I just thought that was funny, that it is the earliest example, apparently, um, of uh, having a film being taken away from its director and, and cut. Mm-hmm. Um, some other highlights are... Um, 
uh, Todd Browning's Freaks, mm. um, The Magnificent Ambersons. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Once Upon a Time in America, um, Brazil, famously. And then the last three on this list, Event Horizon, Disturbing Behavior, and Geely. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wait, we're going back to it. We had a whole discussion of Geely. I know. Um, apparently, the original cut of Geely was 160 minutes. Um, Can you imagine and... watching 160 minutes of Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez doing well, what they're doing? Well, apparently, according to this Wikipedia page, that because of the Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez real life romance, they forced Martin Brest to go back and recut the film to be more focused on them and their relationship Um, because it was originally not as much of a focus of the movie and it was going to be like a broader mob story or something like that and they basically Hmm. recut it into a romantic comedy. At least this is his version of events. Mm -hmm. And then... (laughs) How did Disturbing (laughs) Behavior make the top 16? Um, that was what was surprising to me. I love that movie, um, and now I kind of want to see David Nutter's original 115-minute cut. Um, of Jiggly? No, of Disturbing Behavior. Disturbing Behavior. Uh, it's a Katie Holmes movie. Yeah, Never heard of it. It is. It's a, so, it's a 1998, like, teen thriller. So I saw all sure. of those movies. Um, and so I definitely saw this in the theaters <laughs> and at many... Uh, whatchamacallit, uh, slumber parties after that. It has Katie Holmes and James Marsden and Nick Stahl, who was in... Between no the wonder three, I don't between know Between the three of them, they made like, they, they all made like five of these um, cool 90s thrillers. It's I, interesting. It's like a... It's um, a mind control kind of body snatchers kind of situation. Mm, but it's... Much. I mean, it's, I don't know, it's like a good movie, but There's I sure liked it. one person I follow that gives Jiggly a good review. I've never seen it. Never saw it. I'm okay with that. Um, the last two sentences, by the way, of this description of, of the recutting of Geely says, as a result, the film was heavily panned and ridiculed when it came out and was declared one of the worst <laughs> films ever made. Breast as has, a result. Breast has not directed another film as of 2021. <laughs> it's like a really oh. dark ending sentence to be like, and he never made a movie again. Um, well, I don't know. He wasn't the best. <laughs> No, um, he made two very good movies. I was going to say people really. I haven't seen um, Midnight Run or Midnight Run. Yeah, I haven't seen Midnight Run either. But the only movie I've seen is is Meet Joe Black, which I like. (laughs) But uh, you know, that's I realize that's a controversial opinion. That's a car crash of a movie. Beverly Hills Cop is fine. Midnight Run is really really good. Uh, That's I love Beverly Hills Cop. They just did. I think I told you guys they just did a double feature of Midnight. Must have been Midnight Run and Beverly Hills Cop. I can't remember what the other movie was, but at the the Arrow Theater in Santa Monica, they did a screening that included Midnight Run, and they had Martin Brest there being interviewed by Paul Thomas Anderson. So I, that would have been cool. Another like Tuesday night thing I couldn't go to, but um, I guess PTA is a big fan. So you know. Do you remember when Chris O'Donnell was in Scent of a Woman? Though Chris O'Donnell was in a lot of movies in the first. Half I guess because I never lived through like the peak Chris O'Donnell. It's just so weird that he was. Yeah. No. The they, next thing he was he was going to be the next big star. He was going to be like. School ties and Three Musketeers and Scent of a Woman all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and this is before he played Robin? Yes. Yes. Has he done anything um, recently? I don't think so. 
Um, He's not oh, made a yeah. movie since 2016, and mm. that was a short film. He has not made a feature film since 2010, um, and he's done some like voice work, but not since like at least 2017. And and like oh 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 Jesus, this is of course God damn it. What um, do we do? No, he is. He has made 280 episodes of NCIS Los Angeles. Oh, okay. That's oh. where he went. So whenever someone like totally disappears like that, it's like either they're gone, gone, or they just have been on a television show for 12 years that I forgot existed. Um, yeah, him and LL Cool J since 2009, NCIS Los Angeles, probably making hmm. a shit ton of money. I was gonna say good for him. He's probably. I was rich gonna say good for him. That, I was gonna say he must be so rich now. These all these network people who make 300 episodes of a TV show. Good lord. He was in an Altman movie post Batman and Robin, so. Which? Cookie's Fortune. Oh, uh, I haven't seen that one. It's, <laughs> Look, it's not it's, high it's, up on it's, my it's, priority list. Is that it's a 1999 Robert Altman movie. You know what? Robert Altman made good movies both before and after that, so. No, but it, it, it's at the period where Robert Altman, one, wasn't in the cultural zeitgeist, and yeah. two, was not getting yeah. consistently good reviews. No. Um, yeah. Chris O'Donnell, what a, what a! I can't believe I totally forgot that he's just chilling on NCIS LA. Oh, okay. Remember how I try to bring up sometimes like movies that have a wildly dis- different rating on oh, Letterbox sure. to Friends rating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Scent of a Woman's a three point eight rating, and ratings from Friends a two point seven. Oh, I've never seen it. I've never seen it. It's not good. Yeah. I know the famous part about it, which is Pacino going hua hua. Is Al Pacino's character? What's what's his deal in that He's movie? Blind. Oh, that's I mean that's why the scent. Um, yep. It's not it's not a creepy title even at all. No way. Um, Isn't that what makes uh, McTeague fall in love with Trina in this movie? It is. It is. Um, wait, wait. You're, the, this Pacino is, beat that that's year. Where you're all out of order. Came from. I'll show you out of order. Is it? Mm, no. No, that's or is that not. the Devil's Advocate? What is that from? Yeah, it's the Devil's Advocate. Okay. Because actually, my dad was quoting that like a couple weeks ago, and I was like, "Fuck, what Pacino movies?" I was just say he's made a you know he made a a whole bunch of them. Um, Wait, wasn't didn't Pacino okay, beat someone send, really send bad? Of a woman, for the... he is a like a former marine or something in. Well, yeah, or Lieutenant like a navy. Colonel Frank Slade, yeah, navy or marine. Do, do you want to know who uh, Pacino beat and sent to the woman? Yeah, I'm, I was trying to look it up. Uh, but it's Well, I mean, me Downey Jr. and Chaplin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Steve and Rhea in The Crying Game. Yeah. Oh, sure. Clint Eastwood in Unforgiven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then the bad one, yeah. Denzel Washington, Malcolm X. Yeah. That's- Al Pacino was double nominated that year. He was nominated in supporting for Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross also. Just wow. give him that. Give him that. Yeah, I mean, Although Gene, Gene Hackman, Hackman is, is unforgiving. Yeah. Yeah. He's wildly. But the thing but is, Gene it's already like, had one, didn't he? Didn't he have? Did he yes. have one for um, for French Connection? Yes. No. No. Nope. Oh, sorry. I, Do I, not. I thought you said did Pacino had one. No, no. no, no Gene he, he, he Gene Hackman. Hackman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if if you're giving an award for um, mm-hmm. Glenn Gary Glenn Ross on, on its merits, though, you sort of should probably be giving it to Baldwin. I think. Yeah. Mm, no, you should be giving it to Jack Nicholson. You Jack, Jack Nicholson. Lemon? Jack Lemmon? Jack, fuck. <laughs> are, you lo- are you looking at Jack Nicholson's name because he was also nominated for yes. supporting and yes, Good I Men? Was. I knew you were. Yes. <laughs> no, Jack Jack Lemmon's the best part of Clem Gary. Easily. 
Well, Martin Brest was nominated for nominated for Best Director for Scent of a Woman. They loved Scent of a Woman that year. They did. Fuck that. I love how we found a way to talk about the Oscars. Uh, Always. <laughs> it still blows in my mind how much of an Oscar movie The Crying Game was. Yeah, that's pretty given crazy. Given what that movie is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. Not saying not saying anything against its quality. It's just yeah. not an Oscar movie. No. It is like a sex thriller. That's weird. Emma Thompson won that year. God, she's so good in Howard's End. Good for her. Um, yeah, and Altman and had another again big movie. Ugh. Still never won an Oscar for anything. Uh, the player, so I love the player. Um, what a good movie. How did how did he never win? He, he seems like someone that walks away with a screenplay win at some point in his life. You there's know what I mean? just there's just some of those guys or well guys whoever women people who just it just never happens and it's I think people think it's inevitable and then it just never happens for them. So that's sad. I mean, Gosford Park and a. Yeah, that was, yeah. that was his last real shot. Look, we found a way to talk about the Oscars. How we got here, I do not remember. Um, mm-hmm. Pacino. I can't even unwind this. It's fine. Um, Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> do we have any other? Do we have any other wrap up thoughts on on this movie? This is the the shortest Martin we've talked about Brest. a movie in a long Jiggly. time. Jiggly. Oh, Jiggly! Movies that here. were cut Chris over. O'Donnell. Wow, way to Instead unwind that knot. Um, <laughs> I, I just have to hit back on enough tabs to figure yeah. it out. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Um, do we want to talk about some of the production stuff though? Sure. I mean, we can also. I guess we should really want to talk about the essay, and then a lot of it's covered in there. So yeah, well, yeah. Actually, that's a good point. Let's let's do that. Um, sure. Do you guys have any specific quotes from the essay that you want to talk about? Yeah, my quote sort of dovetails with the uh, production issues, um, which is just how it opens. Eric von Stroheim's Greed, nineteen twenty-five, like the Venus de Milo, is acclaimed as a classic despite missing several parts. Deemed essential by its creator, its unhappy history is well known. Mm-hmm. Um, my quote would be uh, the final. Ah, that was mine paragraph. too. Uh, well, yeah, we have good. a lot of other stuff to talk about. Sure. Say, yeah. but uh, I think it's the best summation of like why this movie is so good and why it didn't work. Here is a man who only wants to be a dentist and inhale Trina's lovely fragrance and his bones upped up in Death Valley. His last act is set free his pet canary, which flutters and dies uh no wonder mayor and thalberg thought the jazz age wasn't ready for this film which putting it in that context mm-hmm. yes inhale trina's lovely fragrance okay roger um hey scent of a woman <laughs> We're a woman. Back. It's, Chris O'Donnell. Back. it's all tied back but no I, it is a it is a lovely ending um a lot of talk about uh the filming of the death valley segment mm-hmm. where I- I'd say very quickly, I do also want to shout out Roger um, because I made a note of this. I appreciate that when he uh, mentions Marcus and then describes him as being played by Gene Herschelt of the Humanitarian Award, um, I appreciated that because I cannot see. I, like, I literally was so excited. I was like, Gene Herschelt of the Humanitarian Award. <laughs> like, <laughs> I had always assumed that was a woman. Um, but alas, no. Um, well, that was fun. But yes, the Death Valley sequence. Yeah, and. Uh... Reminded me a lot of, like, the descriptions of, like, shit. You okay? Oh, no. I think Dylan lost his headphones. Headphones out? I lost my headphone cord. Oh, okay. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, 
It reminded you a lot of... Shit. But um, it reminded me a lot of the Lawrence of Arabia sort of stuff about, like, them filming in the desert and overheating cameras and people passing out and all this stuff. Um, But I liked the part where, like, everyone was so mad at um, Von Sternberg for all the filming shit he did. When uh, they were fighting at the end, he was just yelling at the two actors, like, fight like you hate each other as much as you hate me. (laughs) Not not the most... uh, I don't pr- productive yeah. environment to be in. Sounds toxic. Yeah, sounds like it was probably an unpleasant process. Yeah, I'm glad I wasn't yeah. a part of this. Sorry, now um, I'm just looking at the, the stuff he says in the essay about the uh, <laughs> about the getting it all cut down. Um, yeah, it kind of sucks. Um, There was a fist fight between uh, Mayer and uh, von Stroheim at one point over their hatred for each other. That's pretty fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It sounds like uh, Mayer just like sort of cold cocked him. Yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, it's it's a weak move. Yeah. Come on. Come on. I don't like that. Also, um, not sure how much I like the idea of the boss punching his employee over an argument in general yeah you can bad. say not the best yeah bad bad workplace culture yeah mm-hmm. um yeah so uh i will say it's pretty- interesting that um roger says in the essay that his own feeling having seen the the 140 minute version and the the restoration is that movie lovers would want to begin with the familiar 140-minute film, which is a great experience, yeah. and then see the expanded version. Is that even available? Like, I. It wasn't on iTunes. Yeah. Let me see. I'm sure it's, it's got to be available somewhere. I just thought that was interesting. Looking if it's on YouTube. Oh, that would make that would make sense for that version to be on YouTube. Killer. Uh, killer. Yep. Two hours, ten minutes. Oh. All right. On YouTube, um, it's looking like it's not on the Library of Congress, which they have a lot of like. I think this hmm. is where a lot of that stuff is oh. archived. Yeah, are you saying this has not been singled out by the Library of Congress as a film of? Uh, Ooh, that I don't. That, that, I, that I don't know. I feel like it. It, it must be. You would think, right? Um, it's but not the, mentioned but, on the- yeah. Page, no, but so they have a website that has a lot of like uh, archival, uh, mm. like royalty-free oh, stuff. Sure. But I'm, not, I'm not seeing it on here, which is interesting. Uh, oh well. Yeah, agreed. Glad agreed. I watched it. Cool movie. Mm-hmm. Would you say you liked it, Jana? I did. I give. A Would you up. give it a I'm, thumbs up? I'm giving it a thumbs up. Cool, Nick. Thumbs up. Me too. Yay. Um, and stars, Jenna. Oh, it's three stars for me. I thought it was. Okay. I thought it was very good. All right, Nick. I'm gonna go three and a half. Uh, it's close. I'll. I'll go four. I thought about going four. I thought about going. Yeah, I, I think if you'd gone four, I'd have gone three and a half. Um, just you just gotta. It's really borderline. I don't know if I'd ever watch this again, though. I mean, there. Yeah, <laughs> can't quite imagine it. Yeah. Um. 
Anyway. So that is our discussion on greed. Uh, last week I said this was probably the shortest we had ever talked ratio-wise about a movie. This to definitely its is. <laughs> yeah, this has to be. This is a fourth of the length at most. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't include us deleting... 10 minutes for discussing Scent of a Woman for 91 <laughs> Oscars. It's going to be our, our lost content, yeah. Um, yeah, that's... When when people write Wikipedia articles about this uh, podcast episode, that will be the subplot um, tab. <laughs> Which, is, by the uh, way, I also realized we already even... We've we've been over those Oscars before because that's the Bram Stoker. The Bram Stoker, yeah. I was going yeah. to mention that it... I was it like, we've, had, we've done these rants before. Three Oscars that year? Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well deserved. What were we talking about with Bram Stoker's recently? That was, like the movie that was inspired by Green oh, Knight. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, Green Knight. Oh, Green Knight. That's right. I was thinking it was a book from the or movie from the book. No, no. Yeah, Green Knight. Um, which actually perfect segue. Now. Segue in. Uh, movies we have seen this week. Uh, Jana, do you want to kick us off on a movie sure. you saw yesterday? Maybe. Yes, called... the Green Knight. Oh, we were just mentioning that. Oh, we were. Um, yeah, so. I did a couple of new movies to... Well, actually, this is a, the most new movies I've had in a while. Um, so going in, I did see The Green Knight yesterday, which we'll talk about yeah. um, at some point in the future. But um, before that, I wanted to catch up on all of David Lowry's filmography. So I watched both Pete's Dragon and Ain't Them Body Saints this week. Um, two good movies. Dude makes good movies. Um, I will say, I... Uh, I, I liked the vibe of Ain't Them Body Saints um, more than maybe the movie itself, but I dug it. Um, and then I also watched Luca, the uh, newest Pixar movie. Very good movie. Like, it's quite so good. a bit. Um, and then last night, as you guys know, I will tell you, I started but did not finish watching Only Angels Have Wings. So I'm going to finish that today <sighs> and I will report back. Well, it was really good, but it was very late um, and yeah, I don't yeah. stay up late. So we watched the first half. and I watched, How far did you get? Watch more. I don't know, like for 30 minutes or so not that not that far into it so okay. but it was uh it was quite quite fun um very excited to finish that so. did you get to the scene where gene arthur plays the piano yes we got to the scene where gene arthur one of the best per- musical performances in a non she's so good um she's so you can tell like she's playing that piano like actually yeah. like it's not like someone just kind of like moving their hands on a piano and then they're like playing it no that's her yeah it's amazing and she does it with such style. Indeed. I love her. Indeed. Um, anyway, was that all for you, Jenna? That's all for me. Nick? What did I watch? So we watched Scanners, which is a, a very fun movie. Mm-hmm. I finally, movie. finally know what that head exploding thing is about. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers for Scanners. <laughs> Apparently, Never. that was supposed to be the opening scene, and they... Tried it on a test audience and it was just like too much. And <laughs> people were like, I, I wonder why. People it. could not handle it. Fair uh, I watched a Samo Hung sort of kung fu horror comedy called Encounter of the Spooky Kind, which is Ooh. incredible. Um, Sounds great. It, it was really fun. It's it like maybe a facile comparison, but it does feel a little Hausu esque. Sure. Uh-huh. In a way, like just kind of the the goofballness of some of the horror elements. Um, I had a blast with that movie. I watched Crisscross, which is a uh, really kind of like grimy, nasty noir movie. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. 
Chris Marker turned 100, or would have turned 100 this week. So I watched La Jetée and Sans Soleil one night, which are uh, two of the best movies ever made, including the best movie ever made, La Jetée. Uh, what else? I watched Microcosmos, which is um, a documentary oh, so cute. about little bugs. It's just bugs shot with um, like macro lens cameras. Uh, and I watched that with Evie. She liked it a lot. Jenna, have you ever seen that movie? I have not, no. <laughs> it's real fun. It looks yeah. cute. Yeah, just lots of little bugs. Who doesn't like little Ooh. bugs? And then I watched uh, Summer of Solar when the revolution could not be televised, which um, I'm like kind of middlingly positive on, but I, I feel like I'm I'm just missing what everyone else is seeing with this mm-hmm. movie. I just really don't like talking head style documentaries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he had such good footage to work with. He could have just let songs play, but they will play a performance for like 30 seconds. And then people talk about, Oh yeah, this performance was so great. I remember seeing oh, these people. I find and that it was so, so frustrating. And it's like, that's it's cool that you think that maybe like f- fucking show us that and let us see the rest oh. of it like don't interrupt stevie wonder yeah yeah especially, especially because the whole or a lot of the selling point was like this footage hasn't been seen this is unearthed performance it's like show and us it the still footage. hasn't because you keep <laughs> fucking interrupting it like don't don't <laughs> cut off nina simone to tell yeah. me about nina simone yeah. let her do it out of all the musical artists, you shouldn't cut off Nina Simone and Stevie Wonder. Shh, two of the tops. She can do it herself. She's gonna be pretty good at it. Yeah. She sounds like Nina Simone. I don't yeah. need. Yes. I don't need the, to hear people tell me how good Nina Simone is. It's interesting to watch because there's like some historical stuff about the the concert itself, um, mm-hmm. especially in like that environment and in that kind of era in the country. Um, you know, especially in the backdrop of like Woodstock is happening at the same time, but it would have been so much, so much better just as a more straightforward concert doc than yeah, having it be a document about like people's reactions to the concert instead of just the concert itself. So I'm still overall a little bit positive, but some people are like giving rapturous reviews of it. And I, I think it could have been better. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that that was that oh, was my week. Zero. Yeah. What about you, Dom? I watched quite a lot. I watched three new movies this week, as in new uh, releases. Um, saw Pig. Um, good movie. Good Pig. Um, it's a good pig. See less of the pig than I expected, screen time wise. Get maybe two minutes with Pig. Yeah, it's a, such a cute pig, but very very little time with the pig. Very very brief. The 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 stealing comes way earlier than i thought it would in the movie it comes Um, out i think this week for digital purchase so i'll probably just buy it this week nice would recommend it's great it's really worth it it kind of was a masterpiece yeah although um we were walking out of the movie i was with my brother and my girlfriend and we were both like talking about movies that we feel like in reference that we were like probably not though specifically ratatouille and redbeard Mm-hmm. But, no, um, Ratatouille is the main like reference, I think, um, for given very specific spoilery reasons. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's that was the one I wanted to tell you, but but I didn't want to say before you saw it because I didn't want to sort of put it in your mind. <laughs> but I wanted to tell you like 
No, it's does, it's basically Ratatouille. <laughs> does the pig hang hang out under his hat? Yes, the pig. That, that's why it's like that's the spoiler. It's that's got why its you don't, little cloven hooves. That's why you don't see the pig because it's under his hat and it's helping him cook. Yeah, I knew it. Yeah, there is a lot of room under Nick Cage's hair to hide <laughs> a pig. Though. Say, yeah, that's true. Pig might as well be in there. Uh, after Pig, I saw Old same night. Did a double feature. Um, old, probably the movie of the year. Um, it's a masterpiece. I've never said that about a Shyamalan film, and I never thought I would. But I can't believe you liked it. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a little surprised. No, which, to be clear, I, I feel the need to say I love it. You liked it, it too. So right? I just, uh, yeah, this isn't, that it's not like a, I can't believe you You can't like, believe I just, you I can't it. believe you liked it. I was yeah, so yeah, sure yeah. you would not. Um, yeah, I loved it. Um, yeah, and, and it's not like I dislike a lot of Shyamalan movies. I just think most of them are like kind of fine. Mm-hmm. I just think he like loses the plot and loses the characters a lot. Um, and the fact that I was so emotionally caught up in what was going on. Yeah. Up until the final scene was like, yeah, this is could very well be my favorite movie of the year. Um, maybe it's only competition. Uh, the Green Knight, though, which was amazing. It's been a good good couple of weeks for movies. Holy shit, The Green Knight. Wait, uh, hold on, wish... hold on. I thought we agreed that you guys were going to pretend like it was bad until I've had a chance to see oh, that's, it. Oh, that's right. So I don't, yeah, so no, I don't feel left no out. No rush. You're going you're gonna to try to sneak out and see it this week? I'm going to see it Wednesday unless oh, okay. something uh, comes up. Yeah. Nice. So it's bad, right? Um, yeah, it's, it's just a- horrible. I knew it. Although, to be fair, there's quite a few people that don't enjoy it. Yeah, I've yeah. seen I, I've seen some detractors. I can I can see why. I can, I can totally see why. Yeah. Um, I think there's definitely some honest criticisms that are make total sense. But just as an experience, as a character, <sighs> as a vibe, it's a vibe. All of his movies are vibes. Loved it. Um, and kind of with a. I mean, I, I like David Lowry more than I like Shyamalan personally, but like mm-hmm. Lowry's another person where it's like all the movies I've seen of his is like, yeah, wish it was better, has a lot more potential, but good. My my insane like, my insane take um, is that The Green Knight is phenomenal, but it's still not as good as a ghost story, which I think is his masterpiece. So it's a it's a very good movie. But I but just... the same way that I under like I I've never tried to convince somebody if if that movie didn't work for them like. It's, it's, it's a four out of five for it's me. Such it's, a pers- it's a good for, movie. It's like for me, it's like just such a personal thing that like if it, if you didn't connect with it, you didn't connect with it. That movie, like I I saw it in theaters twice. I saw it by myself, and then made Matt go with me to see it again. <laughs> and he similarly was like, I don't know, it's all right. <laughs> so, and I'm like freaking out in the theater. Um, but yeah, I. Um, if it's but, if it's a spoiler, feel free to not answer. But um, mm-hmm. are there any? prolonged scenes of someone eating an entire pie in the green. I mean, I, I, you know, spoilers, we probably Uh, shouldn't get into it. Okay. (laughs) There's some good eating scenes though. Yeah. I do also, Uh, I, I'm, I'm on your side. I love a ghost story. Um, one of my buddies, yeah, who you, one of my friends who used to work at our, um, the art house theater in Akron said that the two movies that got the most walkouts were a ghost story and Claire Denis high life. (laughs) Fair enough. For can, for seemingly wildly different reasons. Quite different reasons, I would imagine. Um, d- different um, potentially, uh, yeah, d- upsetting content in those movies. <laughs> I like the idea of Janet trying to figure out what words to use to describe yeah, Claire yeah. Denise's high life. Yeah. Oh, it's a good movie, but I, I, I'm pretty sure people walked out of our screening of it also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I uh, I had some rewatches. I rewatched uh, La Ventura with my brother. Amazing movie. That's coming, coming up, up for us, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
I rewatched another movie that should be coming up for us. Uh, Tony Scott's Man on Fire. Nah. Ugh, amazing movie. movie. Amazing movie. Lavender <laughs> is further away than I realized. Um, that's in a few months. There's a but... lot of L.A. movies in the movie. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. La Land, La, 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 Los Angeles, but yeah. To get through... Yeah, La Dolce Vita, La Dolce Vita. Lady Eve, Last Year at Marion Bad, La Delante, La Ventura, Lawrence Arabia. <laughs> There's six movies that start with L.A. in this book. <laughs> um, rewatched The Red Shoes. Uh, that one was with my girlfriend. Um, just what a good movie to watch. And then I watched uh, Visconti Senso by myself one morning. Mm. Was that the I first time alone. you hadn't seen it before? I had never okay. seen Senso. Yeah, I watched it for the first time a few months ago. Great. Good movie, good fucking movie. Okay, I wasn't sure what those uh, those uh, sounds were supposed to represent, but I'm glad we're on the same page because that movie was amazing. Yeah, it's very very good. Um, of the few Visconti's I have seen, I really think there's no uh, Italian director as good as him. Um, just so good. Very happy that I liked Senso as much as I did. Um, very weird to see Farley Granger speak Italian. Yeah, and be like well, an Austrian count. He did. He didn't. No, 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 no. But uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. You could. You the voice they they dub Farley Granger with is so wildly not Farley Granger's voice. Mm-hmm. Farley Granger is a very distinct voice, and it's not that. Um, I did read though that it was supposed to be Marlon Brando's role until mm-hmm. the studio said no. It was supposed to be Brando and Ingrid Bergman. Yeah. Which I, I, I kind of, uh, the, uh, who plays, is it Idea, uh, Alita, Alita Vali plays the, uh, the Countess instead. Um, I didn't really miss Ingrid Bergman because I thought she was pretty perfect for the role, but like, man, Marlon Brando would have been an awesome yeah, Franz yeah. Muller. He, he, it, that role was bored for him and Farley Granger's still very, very good in that movie, but. That hurt a little bit. Um, okay, so that should wrap us up. This might be our shortest podcast ever for our longest movie so far. Is this, this discounting is our trilogies so far other than uh, um, Decalogue, right? Yeah, De- Decalogue was a single entry, so that's, you know. Cause, yeah, but so is Apu. And Apu oh, trilogy, yeah, yeah. As, that was oh, good point. Trilogy. Yeah, you're right. Ebert, but again, Ebert gets movies a little... that clever sometimes movies that aren't miniseries or trilogies mm-hmm. this is our longest singular movie but so if you far. if you sort it by letter the the list on letterboxd um it doesn't it has agreed much lower because the letterboxd yeah. version yeah. is not is the four short? hour version right yeah hmm. yep. well yeah. next next week's movie is going to be uh, considerably shorter yeah, next week's movie is A Hard Day's Night, correct? It is, which is streaming on Criterion Channel and HBO Max and is 88 minutes long. Yes. It's a short one. we get right back to yeah. uh, Hoop Dreams, that's three that's hours. That's three hours, yeah. Akira, which is like 2.40, and It's a Wonderful Life, which is like 2.30. Is It's a Wonderful Life really that long? Jesus. It's not short. It might be 2.20 or something. Wow. I do JFK's not... three hours. La Dolce Vita's three hours. Lady Eve is like 80 minutes. And then Lawrence of Arabia. God, there's so many LA movies. Yeah. Wow. Lawrence of Arabia there. Okay. Cool. Cool. Jinx, Jana. Ah. Um, although, all right. Although, so y- sorry, very quick programming note. Is it going to be a few weeks before we do Hard Day's Night? 
Yes. Yeah, because okay. I'm I'm out of town and then working. All right, yeah. so we'll have some villain episodes between. It'll be fun. Yep. All right. If you want to check us out, you can do so at Twitter, Letterboxd. You can message us on Gmail at Great Movies Pod. Um, Podcast. No. <laughs> I, I can't do it with that, though, because you can't search it's Twitter or... It's just Great or... Movies Pod, yes. I yeah. Um, the austerity needs to come back, though. Causing trouble. <laughs> um, and thank you to Scott Brady, our podcast artist. You can find him at S. Brady Artist on Twitter, and that should be all for us today. Roger out. Roger, Roger out. All right. That was speedy. Yeah. And when I go to the movies... I am that person on the screen. I am having vicariously an experience that happened to someone else. And that makes me a better person. That to see good films and to see important films is one of the most profoundly civilized experiences that we can have as people. Bored. Mm. Yep. Yes. Looking good. Okay. Is that a cat I just heard? I was going to say, all of a sudden, I'm here. That's the noise that Noah makes when he gets frustrated. (laughs) He meows? It's more like a whiny grunt, but I can can hear that it sounds kind of (laughs) cat-like. Aww. Poor Noah. Uh, All right.